Amen. Romans 12 and 2, our verse that we've been uh, quoting. Say this with me. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Make our declaration over this today. I yield my mind to Holy Spirit and to the Word of God. My mind is being transformed, renewed, healed, and made whole. I receive the mind of Christ as the authority in my life. I am what the Word says I am. I have what the Word says I have, and I can do what the Word says I can do. Amen. Oh, I hope you're doing that every day, declaring that every day over your life because the changes that take place are not, they don't just happen, they are created. You have to pursue the things of God and, and the things that God has, has uh, done in our life and uh, wants to do in our life. Stinking thinking won't change until there's a transformation. Amen. Everybody say, I don't want stinking thinking. Praise God. Ted, we can only say that in Missouri. Stinking thinking. <laughs> I'll never forget the first time we went to Ted's house out in California. I was just, I was just young. And uh, we showed up out there, and, and I used to be really hicky sounding. I mean, when I talk. And uh, I might still sound that way a little bit, but I mean, really hicky sounding. You listen to my tapes preaching back then, and I actually get tickled listen to them. And I never did hold back. I was never, I never had any inhibitions. Didn't know Ted and his wife. And we got there. I just went to the, I had some suitcases. I just went and rung the doorbell. I never, really didn't know him. And uh, his wife answered the phone. I said, howdy. She started laughing. She said, howdy. I've only heard that on the movies. The only, here in Missouri, we, have, we, we, we talk about stinking thinking. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. We've uh, been reading the verse uh, in Romans 12 and 2, that our minds be, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't, don't style yourself after the practices and the mentality and the thinking of this world, but it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the word transformed is the same word, comes from the same word as transfigured. And that word was used when Jesus went up on the mountain with uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. And it says he was transfigured. He was changed into something else. He, he began to glow. He, he, he met with Moses and Elias, and, and he, he shone. You know, there was just a radiance, and, and he, this, this intense glory was on him. And it said that he was transfigured, which means he was changed into something else. The word transformed is the same word as transfigured, and it means to be changed into something else. Amen. And we're going, to be, we're going to be talking today about some of our responsibilities in doing that, 
But I got to tell you something. There has to be a transformation, a spiritual transformation in order for your mind to be renewed. And the word, the word renewed is the same word here as renovate. If you renovate a house, it means you tear out the old and you replace it with something new. You renovate. And that's what we're doing with our mind. We are renovating our mind. We're taking out the old stuff and we're putting in the new stuff. In uh, the book of Ephesians, let, let's go to Ephesians. Damon, I told you these wasn't going to be in order, or Jim. These, these ain't, are not going to be in order today. We'll get there. Ephesians. Chapter 3. Chapter 4. You're going to have to be quick here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. He's faster than I am. It says, If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the trust is in Jesus, that you... Put, put off concernment concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed or re re renovated in the spirit of your mind, the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness." So there is a putting off conduct, the former conduct, the former thinking, the former ways, and then it says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and then you put on Christ, which was created, the new man, Christ Jesus. You know what? Man, I got so many rabbit trails going on in my head right now. I have to get focused. When, when Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me, you know that word remember, that can be more than just a thought. To remember means the putting back together. Remember, remember. You getting what I'm talking about? In the garden, there was a taking apart. There was a destruction. But Jesus said, as often as you do this, put the body back together. Remember, come back together. We are restoring, remembering, we are replacing that corruption that came into the, uh, to man, and we are bringing back the Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the good stuff. Amen. Evil came in the garden. They already knew good, but evil came into the minds of man. Corruption came in the minds of man. And Jesus said, We're, we are re redoing that. We are bringing you back into the God structure. We're bringing you back into God consciousness. Praise God for God consciousness. Amen. That's what we lost, that God consciousness. But in, when he says to put off the old man concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to what? Deceitful lust. 
and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, the spirit of your mind is talking about the influence that guides your thoughts. The influence that guides your thoughts. There is an influence. You have a, you have a foundational uh, structure in your brain, in your mind, that guides the direction of your thoughts. What you have been influenced by is the foundation of your thinking. And if you've been influenced by corruption, then you'll think corrupt thoughts. If you've been influenced by people that, that influence good things in your life, then the foundation of your thinking will be good in your life. If you've been trained to hate people, then the foundation of your life will be hate. If you've been trained to love people, it'll be love. Whatever you have been influenced by in, in your formative years is the foundation that your thinking is based on. So always the thoughts that come into you, the things that happen, will always go back to that foundation and will determine how you approach that situation because you have a formed opinion. You have a formed mind, mindset about what's going on. In, in uh, neurology, in neuro, neuroscience, they call it incoming, upcoming. Incoming, upcoming. In other words, everything that happens to you activates memories, thoughts, and attitudes in your life. Whatever you've had in your life, whenever somebody says something, somebody can make a statement incoming, and immediately there is an upcoming of situations, of uh, re remembrance, of attitude. Somebody can just act a certain way. You, you see somebody, and, and immediately there's this upcoming. A lot of people today, the new word is triggered. That triggered me. So, some, some of the triggering going on today, I, people's got a hair trigger. I mean, they, <laughs> goodness. Some people get triggered about everything. I mean, it, it's sad on our college campuses that sometimes uh, if, if somebody just mentions President Trump, kids run to their safe place and hide and cry and feel, feel like they're, in th they're threatened just, just by the mention of a name. Goodness, what would happen if their life, if trouble really came to their life? You know, I, I don't, anyway, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But it just really amazes me at how hair-triggered people are today, and they're not dealing with, and people say, oh, don't say that, that triggers me. No, remove it. Overpower it. Overcome it. If you don't learn to overcome things that control your life and affect you, then you will always be affected by those things. Amen. If you have fear, you have to confront fear. Amen. Confronting fear takes the power away from it. Amen. Fear will get you hurt more than the thing you're afraid of. Fear is destructive. Fear is, is, is it, it takes power away from you unless, you know, unless you're afraid somebody to take off running. You can't catch a scared person. That's the only, that's the only good thing. I mean, they're empowered. They can, they can run. They can run fast. And, uh, but, but fear and doubt, the, 
what is the foundation of your thinking? We're, we're, what is it that influences you? He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that which, that which determines how you're going to respond and how you're going to react to the situations in your life. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing to live a life unoffended? To live a life, uh, what, would, what else would we call it? Unoffended, unafraid, you know, uh, not afraid of things, un, un, uh, what's some things that, that you'd want to be un in your life? <laughs> Put an un in front of it. We are controlled by these things. Certain statements that you make, certain things that you do, certain things. You know, I've, I've been around a lot of people. I've done a lot of, lot of uh, behavioral counseling and relational counseling and things like that. And I've, I've watched this and I've dealt with and I've, I've helped people overcome this stuff, the ones that want to overcome it. But I've found that a lot of people do not want to overcome these things because it empowers them to control other people. Their, their fears or their abilities or what triggers them is actually their control over other individuals. In other words, they want everybody to, to succumb to their trigger. But what needs to happen is you need to rise up to everybody else and get rid of your trigger. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Amen. I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time with, with people having relational problems, and, and a lot of times I find out that they're actually not having a problem with the person they're married to. They're actually having a problem with somebody that they were with. Has nothing to do with the person they're with right now. It has everything to do with what they have experienced. And they're transferring what they have experienced to this relationship. And they're they're super it's, they're they're uh, putting that on, super exposing oh, into that person the things that have happened to them, and they're actually creating that person in the image of somebody that they don't want to be with anymore, which is really silly. Why would we recreate it in somebody else? But they can't accept somebody for what they are because they're still dealing with the foundational thinking process that they have been bound in. And so they compare everybody with that situation or that because that's the foundation that they have established in their mind, and that's what they come forth from. That's why it says to be renewed, to be transformed and renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's why it says that Jesus is the healer of broken hearts. Amen. He'll restore you, and he'll deliver you from the power of individuals that have, that have disappointed you, upset you, and, and have, you know, when, when you can get people to just start accepting people at face value for who they are and not superimposing on them all of their experiences and all the things that other people have done to them. You know, I, I hear people all the time saying, well, I just can't trust nobody. Well, that, that, that might be true. You don't have to trust everybody. Amen. I don't. To trust everybody would be silly. I'm not going to just hand everybody the keys to my house. Come on, somebody. Therefore, I will not hand everybody the keys to my life. Come on, somebody. See, trust is established by, by repeated reality. Repeated reality. When you have repeated reality with somebody, they tell you whether you can trust them or not. 
if your repeated reality with somebody is that they constantly are deceptive, and, and then to trust them would be foolish. Doesn't mean you hate them. It just, just means you're just not going to give them the keys to your car. Why is it getting so quiet in here? If, if my repeated reality with somebody is that they have a repeated reality of driving intoxicated, I will not give them the keys to my car no matter how much they tell me I need to trust them. I do not trust them until they change my repeated reality. Now, I invest trust in everybody I meet. Regardless of what I have experienced in the past, I invest trust in everybody. I give them the opportunity to teach me my repeated reality with them, okay? Because I don't have the right to judge the next person I meet by the last person that I was disappointed in. I don't have that right. Mm -mm. But I do have the right to determine whether that person is trustworthy, Amen. Doesn't mean I have to hate them. Doesn't mean that, I, that I, I don't love them, but it just means that I have, I have to use boundaries in my life in the situation that need, where I need boundaries in that situation. If somebody has proven to me that they are toxic and they are not going to change, they are going to be toxic, then I'm going to keep them at a certain distance and put boundaries around my life because I don't want their toxicity in my life. You understand what I'm talking about? Amen. In some ways, when, when we talk about loving everybody, we think that we got to just let down our guard and just open our life wide open to that person. That is foolish. Amen. That's foolish. Loving them means that you love them because God loves them. You see value in them because God sees value in them. But that doesn't mean that you're going to just throw your arms wide open and let them into your life. Amen. Forgiveness is not about just letting people do whatever they want to to you. Forgiveness is about releasing them from the punishment they deserve so you can go free and not be tied to them. It doesn't mean that you're, you're, you're abolishing all of their sins and just, and just saying, well, I'm going to act like you never did that. It means you release them, you release your responsibility to punish them. It's not your responsibility. Amen. Am I messing with your minds this morning? We got to see the foundation by which we, we think from will determine how we respond and how we succeed in life. I have had so many people that I've been trying to help, and, and something will happen, and they always use this term. Well, here we go again. Well, here we go again. What are they saying? You have just brought up the foundation by which I think from, and therefore I am not going to accept this situation nor think through it because I have already judged it according to the foundation I think from, and, and I'm just not going to be reasonable. Well, here we go again. 
when we have the attitude, well, here we go again, it means that we are pulling this long train of disappointment and disgust with us, and everything that happens, we turn around and get a piece out of that long train and pull it up and say, yeah, this has happened before. Here it is. Here it is. I knew it. I knew it. It's just not going to be any different. Amen. I spoke to a woman here a while back. I don't know who she is. Never met her before. I just knew that the Lord gave me a word for her, and I walked up to her, and I said, listen, you refuse to believe that it can be any different and that God can do anything different, and your life will never be any different because it never has been. And therefore, you are rejecting what God's trying to do because you have already preconceived that it's going to fail. Because that's what you have experienced. See, once we develop a mindset that is based on disappointment and based on tragedy and based on trauma and based on been done wrong, then we will never be able to succeed further than our past experiences. Why would we want to go back and, and constantly go back and revisit our past experiences when there's a future ahead of us, but we won't accept our future because we keep judging our future by this happened and this happened and this person done me wrong and that person done me wrong. I got to tell you something. The reason we get to the point where we say, I don't trust anybody is because you don't understand who you are. When you know who you are, I'm about to get... I'm about to sing soprano here. I'm getting intense. When you know who you are in Christ, <clears throat> we got to bring this, this thing back down a little bit. When you know who you are in Christ, you stop being afraid of people. You know why? Because people can't take from you what God has given you unless you just hand it over to them. They can't take my joy unless I surrender it. They can't take the love God's put in my heart unless I surrender it. Amen. When you stop being afraid of people, when you stop being afraid of attitudes and statements and what if they don't like me? Well, who cares if they like you or not? If they don't like you, it's their problem. Amen. I mean, instead of being all offended when somebody, you know, just really doesn't like us, we ought to have the attitude, oh, well, you're lost. That's not arrogant. That's just the fact that you have as much good to give as everybody else. You have as much bad to overlook as everybody else, but they're going to miss your good. Amen. This is good preaching this morning. I am meddling big time. Pastor Earl Blancey, you say when he'd, he'd get to meddling, he'd say, I have a license to meddle. <laughs> Praise God. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. In, uh, in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to have to get some more in here. Book of Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. 
It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Amen. The carnal mind, for to be carnally minded, it means to be carnally minded uh, means, means to your thinking is based in, in this is what the, the uh, Greek description is for this word, to be based in animal appetites. Animal appetites. It means that your thinking is all about you and your desires, what you need, what I want. And you, you go out to take that, and it's, it's carnal, to be carnally minded. It means, it means perverted impulses, agitating passions, enmity against God. It says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. It means that it's hostile and unyielding. The carnal mind does not have the ability to submit or follow God's ways or direction. The carnal mind is always resistant toward the things of God because the carnal mind always wants to subdue and, and take and get and fulfill carnal desires. We're, we're directed by the lust of our flesh. We're directed by what we want to, to fulfill our desires. And that's to be carnally minded. And the Bible says that it's enmity against God. The carnal mind cannot be uh, reconciled with God. It's impossible. God will not work with a carnal mind. That's why he said that he has come to transform our minds. See, in order to change the platform from which we think that which comes up every time something comes in, we have to change the spirit and the influence of our mind where we are now influenced by the spirit of God and not from carnal impulses. Be transformed, be renewed means that you receive something from God. This is not this is not a self-help thing. This is not where you think your way out of a situation because your mind and heart is deceitful. You will deceive yourself. It means that you receive a power greater than you are in your mind, a spiritual influence in your mind that takes you back from being carnally conscious to God conscious. It means you, you receive a conscience that is based on God and on his values. Amen. When you're transformed, when you get born again, there's a transformation that takes place, and you, are, you receive a different foundation. You receive a different influence. doesn't mean the thoughts aren't still going to come to your mind, but it means that they no longer have power over you. You now have a spiritual change in your mind that gives you power to overcome those thoughts. The old-timers used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can sure stop it from building a nest. Amen. You just you, you get them on out of there. Amen. Thoughts come, thoughts come, thoughts come. There's always thoughts bombarding our mind. In the next series on emotional wholeness, we're going to be talking uh, somewhat about, about uh, the uh, voice, our soulish voice, and, and our, our interpreter. Everybody has an interpreter. And we're going to be talking about that interpreter because no matter what is said, your interpreter changes it and, and, and interprets it to your mindset. That's why it is never good to try to deal with, with, with situations by text message. 
because you will interpret it according to your mindset, not according to what's said. Amen. I don't care how many emojis you use. Do not try to talk about serious issues by the printed word. Always, always try to do that face-to-face because there's, there's voice inflection, there's pitch, there's eye, there's eye movement, there's facial expression, there's body movements, there's, there's posturing. You know, it's po- posture has a powerful thing. When you get into a certain posture, you know, I almost, I almost hit Doug Hooten yesterday. Because without, with, without warning, he assumed a posture. And I have this reflex. Don't know where it come from. Don't know why I have it. But I have this reflex. And we were, we were at shooting range, and he wanted to show me how to, how to, how to my stance that I should have shooting. I don't know much about it. I think I've, I've shot a pistol maybe five times. I've never been real interested in it. Amen. If I've got a problem, I'd just, I just soon be up close and personal than shooting each other. But he's, he's wanting to show me the stance. And all of a sudden, he went like this. That fast, I, I almost got him. I mean, I almost threw a left jab right like that. Scared me. Man, I just, stu- I just stood there going, whoa. I said, what are you doing? He said, don't hit me. I'm trying to show you something. <laughs> but there's posture. There's body language. You know, when somebody takes an aggressive body language, then there's responses. Some people take a step back. Some people take a step forward. You need to, you need to be careful with your body language. It could be bad. You know, it could startle somebody. You know? Praise God, we got through all that. I didn't shoot him or anything. I did get a little tickled at Betty Jane, though. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to tell on you. They had, Doug had all these targets set up, and he was going to tell her how to deal with the hostage situation. And the guy in front, he... He, all he got at, she's standing there with the AR, and all he said was, and this is your husband, pow! And we all just went, and Damon was standing there, and he said, good grief. <laughs> and this is your husband, pow! I said, I think I'd walk carefully, son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my, I'm going to go out the side door after this. <laughs> See, the basis of our thinking is controlled by what we're influenced by, and we have to change the influence of our thinking. Amen. Oh, I got, there's so many things that we can, so many directions we can go here. But the carnal mind uh, is enmity against God, it can't be reconciled. There, there's a carnal mind. In Romans chapter 8, it talks about the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. 
The spiritual mind is that which is for the things of God, that which is yielded to the things of God. The carnal mind is that which is resistant against the things of God. The carnal mind runs and hides from the presence of God because it knows it's guilty. The spiritual mind runs to the presence of God because we know he's our father. The carnal mind resists and rejects the wisdom of God, but the spiritual mind submits and says and, and craves the, 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 the wisdom of God, craves to know what the, the things of God are. We go after, we seek after. Read uh, Proverbs chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12 when you have time. It's talking about pursuing wisdom, getting wisdom, and, and, and making it part of you. Wisdom is, is amazing to have the wisdom of God, to know how to think and to know how to use the knowledge that you have is amazing. The Holy Spirit is the greatest tutor and teacher. He's not somebody that comes and says, well, you should know this. He comes and teaches you, and he'll teach you on your level on how you talk. Amen. Holy Spirit always speaks to me in statements because that's how I like to communicate. Statements. And he just gives me statements. And that's great, you know? It's like, you women get confused at, at how men communicate. We're fine. <laughs> Leave us alone. We're fine. You know, I can, I, can walk, I can walk by somebody. I can walk by some guy and just hit him on the shoulder and look at him. We just had a conversation. <laughs> it didn't take a long time. We just had a conversation. We didn't have to spend time talking about it, you know. You know, we can shake hands. You know, how you doing? We just had an intimate connection, you know? You understand what I'm talking about? It's all in how you say it. I mean, I, I, can, I can go up to somebody and say, hey, buddy, we just, we just had a, a tremendous time. Or I can go, walk up and say, hey, buddy, totally different. I just communicated the fact that I was not real happy with him. I didn't have to say anything, okay? So we're fine. We're doing good. It don't, ta it don't take a long time to communicate these things. So with your husband, you got to understand that most of the time they, they like statements. They, they like just, you know, just the facts, ma'am. But <laughs> but then ladies like to talk about it. You like details, all the details. And men, you have to learn how to listen, okay? This is, in, this is in relationship. You have to learn how to listen. Your wife does not want you to fix what she's talking about. She just wants you to listen and care. Be quiet and care. Come on, somebody. And don't look at the clock. Don't, don't be doing this while she's talking. She knows what you're doing. Well, you just don't care. But no, I'm not going to talk anymore because you just don't care. Okay? All right. Just leave that alone. The carnal mind is enmity against God. In Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to try to close this down. I shouldn't say that because I hate to lie, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren... I mean, Paul just got through talking about a lot of good things. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. 
but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is all a mindset. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. See, there is a transformation. There is a spiritual empowering that takes place that gives us, that changes the foundation that we think from, from a carnal mind to a spiritual mind. Now our influence has been changed. But then there's things you have to discipline in your mind. It doesn't leave us out. We have to discipline our mind. And then after Paul talking about all this good stuff, then he, he just comes to a place and he says, finally, brethren, I said all that to say this, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. Paul is saying you've got to train your mind to stay on the platform of the spiritual. Because your mind will try to jump right back over into carnal because that's what it's used to. But when you train yourself to think on good things, meditate. He says meditate on these things. Things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are of a good report. How many good reports do you hear today? Very few. We're always hearing what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. You know, this is wrong, and this is what's wrong, and this is, and criticism, and sarcasm, and, and you know, uh, complaining. You know, a lot of complaining going on. Amen. Stop complaining. It isn't doing any good. Amen. You know, as, as, a, as a leader, a boss, or whatever you want to call it, in, in work or anywhere, it, it frustrates me for somebody to come up to me with a complaint without wanting to participate in the process of the answer. Don't come to me with a complaint. Come to me with some, some answers. All you bosses say amen. Amen. I mean, it's one thing to complain about a situation. Another thing to be part of the process of fixing that situation. And so think on these things. What's good? What would help it? What would, what would change this situation? What would help transform this thing? Amen. I just, I just can't understand to, to deal with people that, are, that everything's wrong and nothing's ever going to get any better and, it's, and this is the way it is and it's all bad and, and well, it's, just all, it's all just going to junk and it's all, you know, all this kind of stuff. That irritates me because my mindset is everything's fixable if we'll just do what it takes to fix it. Like the old Doctor on hee haw. Some of y'all don't even know what that is. That was an educational program back in the 70s and 80s. They'd walk in and say, Doc, it hurts when I do this. He says, Well, stop doing that. Actually, my philosophy is totally different. If it hurts, use it more. Amen. It helps. It really does. I'm going to stay off that. If I start on that, some of y'all listen, you just shut down, it'll be over with. You'll never hear another word. <laughs> if it hurts, use it. Philippians 4 and 8 is our, is our mantra. It's what we need to, need to discipline ourselves to do. Think on these things. Think on good things. 
try to think of something good to tell somebody tomorrow or even today. Amen. Talk about something that's praiseworthy. Talk about something that's praiseworthy and see what kind of reaction you get. People get, people get to feel awkward when you start talking about good things. Why do we do that? We get to feel awkward. You know, it's like we're not accustomed to that kind of stuff. When you compliment people or, you know, they, they, they act awkward. Why? Because we're, we're not used to giving that out. And we're not used to taking it. We're used to criticism. Amen. Praise God. I like, I like to tell people, you know, there's uh, sometimes when I'm, I know people are struggling, coming out of certain lifestyles or I'll always tell them the same thing. I'll always say, I'm really proud of you. And some of them always look at me and they say, why? Because they don't feel like they're doing real good. But it's because they're not looking at the progress. They're only looking at how far they got to go. They're not looking at how far they've come. Come on, somebody. Praise God. I don't, I don't go with the glass half full, the glass half empty. I just bring a jug and fill it the rest of the way up. Amen. Let's just fill that thing up and get it over with. So when we, when we understand the foundation of our mind, what we think from, the influence that we work from, once we begin to challenge that and bring it, I didn't even get to the verse I was going to preach on today. We'll do that next week. Once we learn to do that, then our lives will begin to change because our thinking directs our lives. Amen. If you're, on, if you're working on a job and you have a bad attitude, don't expect to do good on that job. Don't expect to progress. Don't expect to get pay raises or promotions. It's not going to happen. Why? Because they're looking for people that are willing to buy into this thing and, and push it forward. Amen. And if your company don't reward things like that, just let God open another door and go to another company. But just keep, keep moving forward. Yeah. Be, be progressive. Be, be complimentary. You know? You never know what kind of response you're going to get. I told somebody one time, I said, I, I just sit down in the office, and I said, you know, you're a good boss. That fast, he outlined every reason that he's not. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Confession's good for the soul. I said, well, you're the only one that knows about that, so I guess it's up to you to fix it. Amen. But encourage somebody things that are good if you see if you find your mind going down that dark trail of criticism doubt fear just stop and say nope that's not where i'm going and start meditating on good things you know i tell people that have a hard time going to you know sleeping at night you know a lot of a lot of you women you your minds won't shut off you know they just just take off running when you lay down at night freaks some of y'all out because a lot of a lot of men they just they hit the pillow and they're out you know it's like 
you know, how do you do that? You, your brain just shuts off. You, you know, you don't have any thoughts in your head and all that kind of stuff. You just kind of freaks you out. But I tell people that, that are having a hard time with that, I say, look, your brain's active anyway. So why don't you just start forcing it to think about good things that you enjoy, that you like? Because what happens is your brain always goes to that which has no foundation, and it just runs wild with it. And it's usually something to do with tomorrow. Well, you don't have tomorrow. There's no foundation there. There's nothing you can do about tomorrow. And you start, you know, running all these scenarios in your head and going after all these scenarios. Well, there's no way to, there's no way to end that because there's no foundation. There's no outline. There's no facts. It's just... Your, your brain just gets out there and just runs rampant. So start thinking about things you enjoy. Things you like. You know, nine years ago after I had all the stuff I had, I got out of the hospital and I started recovering. One of the things that, that, that was gone was my ability to sleep. I just didn't sleep. Didn't get sleepy. It just didn't happen. And so I had to ret retrain myself and reprogram myself. And it's still a struggle to this day a lot of times. I have to, I've, I've had to train myself to sleep and try to get my brain to, to, uh, to shut down, to sleep. One of the ways that I do that is when, when, I can't, when my brain starts doing that stuff, when, when I can't sleep, I start going on motorcycle rides that I've been on. I start traveling roads in my mind. You know what? It ain't very long before I'm dreaming about those roads instead of thinking about them. Why? Because your brain just naturally goes into sleep mode when it relaxes. And thinking about good things relaxes you. Thinking about things you love, thinking about things you enjoy. Your brain's going to be active anyway, so why not? make it think about good things and then your whole body will relax nothing I hate more than my head hitting a pillow and all of a sudden some fearful thought about my grandkids or my kids or something hit my mind well the next thing I know my heart's pumping and you know that adrenaline's pumping and and I think oh great you know because that ain't sleep mode but I stopped that and I make my brain begin to meditate on things that I enjoy, on things that I like. And when I do that, it relaxes my whole being. Amen. We've got enough stress. There's enough problems. There's enough bad stuff, enough negative stuff. Oh, my goodness, there's so much today, and we have access to every bit of it. We can have access to every conversation that takes place in this nation anymore, it seems like. And if you feed on all that stuff, man, you're just, you're just filling your mind with, with stuff that you can't do anything about. You're not there. You can't touch it. Matter of fact, I, I try to discipline myself that if I can't touch it, if I can't fix it, can't touch it, can't respond to it, I'm not going to meditate about it. Not going to think about it. Amen. If I'm not there, no need for me to be thinking about it. Amen. Praise God. I'm trying to get, get, get a mindset for this week. How many, how many want to change your life this week? 
Praise God. What I'm talking about today is going to change your life. It'll change your life. It'll change your family. It'll change your job. Stand with me if you would.